Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast. Um, this is Steve, and I'm here with Brett, and it is Sunday, January 23rd, and we're here to talk about what I would describe as probably the most exciting week in the Big Ten um, up to this point. Um, we had a couple of candidates for game in the week, game of the week, kind of throughout the week, and um, I don't know about you, Brett, but you know, as we're, we're kind of nearing towards the middle point of the season here, I think we're getting the best out of just the competitive drama that uh, we expected throughout this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'm, I'm pretty inclined to agree with you on on quality of, of hoops this week. And uh, honestly, it, it you know, it, it started high, uh, high quality, ended high quality, and, and a lot of stuff in the middle was too. Um, but like you said, it seems like everyone's a lot or not everyone, but a lot of teams are really starting to play some of their best basketball. And, uh, that just means it's going to be a great final six ish weeks or so this season. So let's start with, I guess, kind of the first candidate for game of the week this week, um, which took place Monday on Martin Luther King day in Champaign to overtime affair Purdue rolls in to Champaign. Um, and, and gets the victory there. Now, that game at, at the time, that had Big Ten um, championship implications kind of surrounding it, right? Because Illinois you know, was, up, was undefeated at that moment in time. Purdue, with two losses, they really, had they taken their third loss there, um, their prospects of winning the regular season would have been um, dire. But they go in, they get to win a couple of storylines to track there. You know, it was Curbelo's first game back for Illinois. Um, you know, Zach Eady had a big performance. Sasha Stefanovic played well. Um, a couple of kind of Illinois comebacks to uh, to narrow it in both overtimes and, and eventually tie it. I, there's so much going on in this game. What What's your biggest takeaway um, from that game? Yeah, I mean, I think this was this was advertised as like a real true heavyweight battle uh, coming in, and I mean that's what we got. It was never, I mean, there there were, I really don't think there were that many. There was one point where I guess Purdue was up by 13, but Illinois' biggest lead was four uh, in the entire game, and so it really was kind of a back and forth uh, affair, except for that kind of spurt that Purdue went on, and then obviously in in double overtime they kind of took control. But, I mean, this was just a super high-quality basketball game. Uh, start to finish, top to bottom, everything. Uh, really, I mean, you saw both teams shoot pretty well from the field. Um, I, and I, just as an aside, I, I think one of my favorite parts of the game was right at the beginning, the crowd is super juiced up. Uh, Kofi, and e, Kofi and Edie are going at it, and the crowd is cheering post-play more than anything I've ever heard, like louder than anything I heard the entire game. And that's, you know, that's how you know it's real solid Big Ten basketball. Uh, just cheering one guy back and down another guy. It's just big 10 as hell. I love it. Um, but I mean, for Purdue to come in after kind of a, a rough couple weeks, inconsistent couple weeks, uh, a lot of questions about how are they defensively? Uh, what's going to happen if, if Jaden Ivey isn't stepping up, um, at least for that game, a lot of that was answered. They got a lot of good performances from a, a, a number of guys on their roster, five guys in double figures. Um, and I think for Illinois, it was, it was showing that, Curbelo is truly a difference maker for this team. And Plummer had a big game too. I mean, there were contributions, I think all over the the court from kind of a lot of people that, you know, we weren't necessarily expecting it to. I think 
this game kind of emblematic of the battles that you're going to see um, at the top when the heavyweights go at it. Um, and I don't know about you, but it, it Purdue blew a lead. They blew it again the next overtime, um, found a way to kind of hang in there and win. You know, Purdue historically has been a team that's kind of come up short in the tournament and around March. And so that's always the thing you worry about with these Matt Painter led teams that do well in the regular season showed me a lot by going in there um, against a, you know, sweet 16 caliber opponent um, and hanging in there and finding a way to win um, in a raucous environment. So great win there for Purdue, but as kind of the roller coaster of the season goes, right. Purdue turns around three days later and faces their arch rival in Bloomington um, in what, you know, it was another kind of candidate for game of the week, Indiana um, behind kind of uh, a big shot and a unexpected game from Rob Finnessy gets a, what I'd call kind of a program changing win um, against their arch rivals, knocking off the number four team in the country. Um, what are your reactions um after what actually was the most watched game in the history of college basketball on Fox Sports 1. Yeah, that that stat definitely surprised me, but it, it makes sense. It's, you know, one of the premier rivalries in the Big Ten. Uh, you've got a, a Purdue team that many people consider to be one of the best in the country and a, kind of a very resilient Indiana team that, you know, has, has kind of had some weird ups and downs this year, but at this point really kind of starting to come into their own. Um I mean, the, the big thing, the big takeaway here is that Purdue lost this game on the free throw line. Um, they missed 10 free throws. I believe they shot about, uh, what, 50, they're 41% from the line. Uh, ED2 f- missed five. Um, but they, that just show, also the fact they only got to the line 17 times really kind of shows a lack of, of attacking. Um, and that's kind of compounded by their 23 threes. Um, but the, the, Concerns that people are having about Purdue still evident. I mean, Indiana was really able to kind of get to the rim. And even though they left a lot of points on the free throw line, uh, they were able to get to the rim and convert their opportunities at the rim, which is kind of wild considering the size that Purdue has down there. Um, and so if the if the perimeter defense is really going to be that lacking, they have to be able to make up for it on the offensive end, and they couldn't do it in that game. And I mean, I think Travion Williams probably had one of his worst games of his career, um, which, which helped. And you know, one of the... I think more impressive things about this win for Indiana was Trace Jackson Davis was rendered for the most part useless um, just because of foul trouble. Um, and so they, they really, they did this all with him. Um, and I think to your point, you know, it shows just the the inconsistency that Purdue kind of sometimes is, is victim of, uh, you know, on this night, it, a number of things had to go right for Indiana to get this win, but they're sitting, you know, in pretty good shape you know, almost halfway through the conference season as far as their goal of getting a tournament bid. Now, Purdue bounced back and was able to get a win against Northwestern um, on Sunday. So in their three-game and six-day stretch going two and one, not too bad, all things considered. Indiana, on the other hand, who also had a kind of three-game and six-day stretch by virtue of a win against Nebraska early in the week, they turn around and host the Michigan Wolverines on Sunday and um, could not replicate the performance that they put on against Purdue. And, you know, that game may have been more about kind of Michigan rising and getting their feet back under them post their kind of COVID issues. But, I mean, I don't know that Indiana is going to look back on on that as like a huge lost opportunity. But I think 
you know, it's a good reality check for Indiana that they can't have lapses, um, especially at home because they've had so much trouble winning on the road. Yeah, that's, that's a very good way to put it. Um, and I think also just that this game, not that, not that, not to take anything away from Michigan, but this was a prime letdown candidate for, uh, Indiana just coming off the biggest win of the season, uh, and against a, a Michigan team that had been sort of struggling and we'll, we'll, we'll get to them a little bit later. Um, but, uh, I think that again, like you said, it's not the end of the world for this, for them to lose this game. They still sit 14 and five, uh, as of right now, uh, five and four in conference. And it, it, the schedule does lighten up a little bit, uh, in the next couple weeks, uh, rel- relatively, I mean, it's, it's still, still big time basketball. Um, but I mean, if, if we want to kind of shift and talk about Michigan, this was a huge win for them, uh, coming off the heels of uh, a big win against Ma- over Maryland earlier this week. Um, and I, I mean, the big thing with Michigan that we've kind of been harping on is just a total lack of consistency, uh, throughout the season. And it's good to see them string two dominant performances together. Obviously a huge game for Hunter Dickinson, uh, with, with 25 and nine, but, uh, the increased contributions from Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston, Houston specifically starting to find his shot a little bit more. He was five for seven from three today. And that's, that's how Michigan's going to start winning games is if they, if they shoot, shoot well, Obviously, 65% from three is a little bit unsustainable, but they've been on the opposite end of, of that, too. So, um, you know, a little bit of course correction for for the Wolverines and holding holding Indiana to five for 19 from three is uh, is is an admirable effort as well. Yeah, I think you, you hit on it, right? Like the 40 percent difference in or the 40 point difference in kind of three point shooting percentage in this game was kind of, I think, ultimately what decided it there. Um, so reason not to get too excited if you're a Michigan fan and not to get kind of too down. Um, if you're an Indiana fan, you know, Michigan still turned the ball over uh, 14 times, which is kind of high for them. And I, I don't think they're going to get uh, 80% shooting from, you know, guys like Terrence Williams kind of consistently going forward. Um, but I think from Indiana's perspective, I think they still have a glaring kind of weakness as far as their inability to just spread the floor and shoot. And um, an inconsistent bench and effectively when you can make Trace Jackson Davis um, moderately inefficient, you know, it's 17 on 13 shots today, which is, you know, OK, but not like dominant, um, then you can kind of slow this team down. Um, and so yeah. that that's the fear that if, you know, they str- string together a couple of performances like this, Indiana could be back in bubble territory. Um, but I think for Michigan did exactly what they needed to do with the schedule lightening up a bit. Um, we'll talk about what they have coming up this week in a second, but good for them to kind of get themselves back, at least in the conversation where, you know, the bubble is reachable. Um, and now kind of officially closing the loop on, on all the teams we've talked about so far. So, um, Illinois, they kind of took the blow, uh, from their loss in Champaign to Purdue. They went around, uh, they turned around and went to college park. Um, and instead of kind of, instead of, you know, rebounding, they, they did the exact opposite. Now, Curbelo didn't play. And I think, you know, Maryland went into that game fairly desperate, but not a great performance. If you're an Illinois fan, I think everything we talked about, about their inconsistency, um, you know, it, it was a sleepy game on a Friday night in college park, you know, not, not too many people at that game, but um, gosh, like this is, this is turning into like, the typical type of Illinois performance where you just don't know what you're going to get from them to game to game. And it, it bit them in the butt here. Yeah. I quick, quick correction. Uh, Kofi didn't play this game and Curbelo was, was pretty hamstrung. Curbelo played about 14 minutes, but uh, had 
ter- like a relatively bad game. Um, yeah, just, my mis- yeah. misspoke there. Thanks for the correction. <laughs> you're 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 good. Uh, just, but it was. I mean, watching Curbelo play in this Maryland game was the total antithesis of how he looked in the Purdue game. He didn't really look confident. The passing vision wasn't quite there. He was fouling a lot. Um, and I think more than anything, this game really tells the story of, of one team that really kind of imposed their will stylistically. Granted, we have to take this with a grain of salt because, again, no Kofi. But, you know, Maryland only shot 11 threes and made 57 percent of their twos. And Illinois took 35 threes and hit 11 of them. And that's that's what's going to happen when when this Illinois team kind of starts for, starts forcing jumpers uh and, you know, you don't you don't have Kofi or Kofi is having a foul trouble game or things like that. That's where things can kind of spiral out of control. And we saw that. I mean, the end of this game, the game was closer than the score indicated for for most of it. Uh, it Illinois led for a decent amount and then Maryland kind of took the lead and then it, it really spiraled the last couple minutes. Um, but, you know, Fats Russell was really instrumental in just getting to the hoop and kind of making things happen. Um, and if if Maryland re- is going to dig out of this hole, that's that's exactly how they have to do it. Um, Wahab is kind of seeing his minutes taper off and they're, they're seeing more kind of wings and, and combo guards play more minutes. And I guess that's kind of what it's going to have to be for Maryland going forward. So let's shift gears now and talk about, let's talk about Wisconsin. So got a solid win against Northwestern early in the week, but I think a lot of us were hoping that their tilt with Michigan state on Friday night was, was going to be another kind of game of the week type game. And what ended up happening was Michigan State went in there probably angry um, off of their poor performance uh, against Northwestern um, the prior weekend. And and they went in and and looked like that Michigan State team that we've been kind of hyping them up uh, to be, where they went in, they controlled it from start to finish, um, got a balanced effort and came out of Madison with one of those hard to get road wins there. Um, is, is this more about Michigan state or more about, um, something Wisconsin did it do granted that they were without one of their bigs? Yeah. So I think you have to at least mention that Tyler wall didn't play. He, he, uh, sprained his ankle against Northwestern. So, uh, hoping that he gets back soon. Uh, but I mean, this game, this game, apart from the very beginning, Wisconsin jumped out to an eight Oh lead. And then it was pretty much all Michigan state. Um, they were able to, I mean, they, every time that, that Wisconsin had, kind of cut the, I think it was a 17 point game at halftime. Wisconsin got it to within six, but every time that Wisconsin was threatening, Michigan state had an answer. Um, Jordan or Jaden Aiken specifically hit two really big threes in the second half. And that just shows, I mean, he's a guy playing 12 minutes, uh, and comes off the bench, 10 points, like does everything asked of him. Uh, Michigan state's defense was constantly double teaming Johnny Davis and, and really making him work. He had 25 points, but, uh, on 20 shots, um, Brad Davison shot really well, but besides that, there really wasn't much, uh, much contribution from anyone else on Wisconsin. Um, the bench depth is going to be a bit of an issue, uh, if they, they kind of keep playing like this. Um, so I, but again, I think, I think this was more of Michigan state came in with a game plan executed basically flawlessly, uh, shot 53%, uh, from the field and just played their way and, and had a good defensive strategy and utilized that to win the game. So where we sit today, it, it's the Michigan State Spartans on top of the conference um, at six and one, but they have a plethora of, of teams behind them. You know, Wisconsin and Illinois uh, at six and two, Ohio State at five and two. So you know, there's 
it's still not breathing room for the Spartans. And we've talked about kind of how they benefited from an, an easy early schedule and just, I think, a general favorable schedule going forward. Um, but I think definitely a missed opportunity for the Badgers there, even though they were a little bit shorthanded. Um, the final game that we wanted to talk about, or at least the final item, was, man, that uh, that game in Piscataway um, on Wednesday night, I believe, where uh, Rutgers and Iowa played the most Big Ten type of game that you could um, imagine, where Rutgers came away 48 48- 46 neither team got to 50 points but the discussion around this game was around a call that was made um as uh time was winding down uh Rutgers had the ball and they were kind of holding for the final shot um and kind of a a very uh ticky tacky foul was called on the perimeter as Ron Harper Jr. was driving not really even towards the basket but almost to either take a fadeaway shot or or to pass it off to a teammate um, got called for a foul. Rutgers was in the bonus. They made both free throws and they won the game. Um, and it sparked a lot of conversation, I guess, but I guess against uh, regarding Big Ten officiating. Now that was a huge win for Rutgers to get um, to defend their home court and get it over a quality Iowa team. But I mean, we can't talk about this game without talking about that call and and whether it was, I think one of the worst calls that I think I've ever seen. Or maybe not one of the worst calls because it may have been a foul by the letter of the law, but one of the just most unnecessary calls um, that I've seen kind of down the stretch in any game this year. Yeah, I think I think unnecessary is the best way to put it, because sure, like letter of the law, you can't hand check anymore. But like that, it wasn't it wasn't like he was even making a move to go to the basket. And I think tradition indicates that that's not a call that's made. It would be one thing if he if it was some kind of questionable contact as he was driving or at the rim or like anything like that. And, and I mean, sure, you know, not, not to take away anything from, from a tough win for Rutgers, especially slowing down uh, the, the, you know, high powered offensive of Iowa, all things considered. Um, but yeah, I think there has to be a little bit, I mean, and granted you want this, you want the game officiated the same way across the board, but uh, it's, I don't know it, 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 that one. That one definitely rubbed me the wrong way, given that it was like way out on the perimeter and and didn't really look like it interfered with Harper that much uh, as he was kind of making his move. Yeah. So, I mean, not that Rutgers got away with one there. I think I still would have probably leaned Rutgers had that game gone into overtime, just given um, that it was on their home floor. But I think um, I always had some really just, frustrating losses there over the course of the last couple of years and um you know but kudos kudos to Rutgers I mean they slowed down the highest pace the fastest pace offense in the Big Ten um and and you know they they did enough to be able to to take that one at home so you know kudos to them they 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 did suffer a disappointing loss to Minnesota early and later in the week which you hope they won't look back on as a huge missed opportunity but um it was great for them I think to just split this week um, all things considered. Um, now to our preview for the upcoming week. So starting off on Tuesday, um, again, we turn right around and get another kind of game of the week uh, candidate here in Michigan State and Illinois, also Mar- Maryland and Rutgers. Brett, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big thing is for Michigan State, Illinois, obviously, everyone, that's that's kind of going into the week, which is my prediction for game of the week. Um, 
going to depend on how on what the deal is with Kofi Coburn. Um, if he's, I, I personally at this time have not seen anything one way or the other. Um, so, but I mean that's a, it's a huge huge issue for um, Illinois if he's out. But it's going to be very interesting because you know Michigan State showcased that they can really kind of focus on taking a team's star player out of the game uh, as they did against Wisconsin. And at least making him work real hard for for everything. And Illinois without Kofi doesn't quite have that. Um, so I I would at least think that um, you know obviously like State Farm Center is going to be going crazy for this one again, uh, trying to get Illinois back into into the win column. Um, but I mean Michigan State is playing at such a high level right now and getting contributions from so many different guys that I think they might just have too many weapons for for Illinois at this point. And then uh, Maryland Rutgers. Um, for some reason, I feel like these teams have already played like six times um, this year. But um, again, you know, there's these are two teams that need this win. You know, Rutgers is is definitely trending more upward right now. Uh, five and three in conference. Uh, Maryland, despite the win over Illinois, is sitting at two and six. Um, but, you know, I think it kind of kind of like the discussion we had last week where Rutgers is the more likely team to make the tournament at this point, even with a couple of their terrible losses. Um so I think I think this is a definite. I think this is a must-win for them as they can really not afford to lose games to any more non-tournament teams. Uh, so then Wednesday we've got Northwestern Michigan and uh, Penn State Indiana rematch. So what do you like there? Yeah, I mean for Northwestern Michigan, um, I I actually think like you with the way these two teams play generally, I'd expect like a a very like smooth flowing game on offense. Both teams don't really foul that much. Um, and they both run pretty like complicated, crisp offenses. So I, I think it'll be a, a good game to watch. I mean, uh, both of these teams are kind of desperate for r- wins, right? They're kind of teetering on the edge of the bubble. Um, Michigan's got momentum on their side, um, and and it's at home. Um, so you know, I think just with the way Michigan's playing, I'd give them the slight edge. Um, and especially given kind of continuing questions around, um, you know, Northwestern's post depth there's lots of handle there with michigan with dickinson and debate um and then with penn state and indiana i mean you know, indiana with kind of a rare three uh three game kind of home stand i mean you need to get this one against penn state not just for the purpose of avenging the loss earlier in the year but like you can't let their letdown from sunday's game turn into a a losing streak um, and so for the sake of their tournament resume, they they need this one. And I'd expect them to take care of business on Thursday. We get a treat with a, a triple header um, of games, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State, Minnesota and Purdue, Iowa. Um, Brett, take it away. Yeah, we, we uh, the Wisconsin, Nebraska game is being rescheduled from uh, Tuesday uh, due to some some COVID issues within the Nebraska program. Uh, so we, we get a 4 p.m. Central tip. Uh in Lincoln. Um, I think this, this is a big one for Wisconsin just to kind of right the ship and, and get back, obviously moving the game two days helps Tyler walls recovery. Um, so if he's, if he's healthy, I see, I see no reason that they, they shouldn't be able to take care of business and, and lock down defensively. Um, I think there are, there are definitely some, some issues defensively that they Wisconsin will want to shore up, uh, before diving back into the meat of their schedule. Um, but the offense should be able to, to get pretty much whatever they want. Um, at the, against that Nebraska defense, uh, Ohio state, Minnesota, or sorry. Yeah. Ohio state, Minnesota, um, kind of like 
this Minnesota team is like just absolutely wild. They just, I mean, they did just beat Rutgers yesterday, despite basically having five guys available. Um, they played five guys basically the entire game. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, there might be a bit of a fatigue issue. Um, and this game is in, is, is at the barn. Um, so there obviously will have the home court factor, but I think, and honestly, like Ohio state's home road splits have been, uh, interesting to say the least, uh, getting, getting handily defeated, uh, both at Indiana and Wisconsin in their last two road games. So I think they would like to see course correction there. Um, but this isn't a game where, you know, EJ Liddell should be able to pretty much feast, uh, on, on whatever Minnesota throws at him. And we're seeing Malachi Branham really kind of develop into a, a budding young star in the league. Um, so I'm interested to see how he plays on the road there. Uh, and then Purdue, Iowa, I mean, it, it really, really has not stopped for Iowa. Uh, it's been a, been a tough, tough road for them recently. So I think go, you know, but at least getting Purdue at home uh, is, you know, it, it helps. Um, it should be a pretty good atmosphere there at Carver Hawkeye. And I'm, this game's going to be, each team might score a hundred, like neither team has capable of, of playing great perimeter defense. Um, Iowa, because they don't really want to and Purdue because they're just incapable as of right now. Um, so I'm expecting a lot of points, but those shootouts usually tend to run in Purdue's favor, especially given the size discrepancy. I don't think Keegan Murray is going to be able to really guard Edie and Travion should be able to come off the bench and really kind of make Murray work uh, for everything there. Uh, we've got a break on Friday this week, but Saturday uh, we've got a quad header um, starting with the, the rivalry game, Michigan, Michigan state, uh, in their first meeting, uh, we've got Indiana, Maryland, another in-state rivalry, Illinois Northwestern, and then uh, Rutgers, Nebraska. Just one note on the Purdue Iowa game as well. We'll see if Jaden Ivey plays. He did not play oh, yes. uh, Good point. today, mm-hmm. um, and so that will be a, a big factor, I think, in that game, um, especially because we want the matchup of two potential conference players of the year, and and Keegan Murray and Jaden Ivey. Uh, but Michigan, Michigan State, yeah, I don't know that, you know, the, that there's that much that needs to be said there. I think you throw out the records um, and I think you should get a competitive game kind of either way. Yeah, I think, you know, Michigan State fan base probably has a lot to say about the previously canceled COVID game. Um, but I think at the end of the day, these teams are actually pretty evenly matched. We'll see who can win the kind of matchup in the post. Um, since both teams can attack you from with multiple weapons uh, down there. Um, and, you know, uh, as far as like freshmen on the wings too, Mac Christie versus Caleb Houston should be a good kind of matchup to watch there. Um, Indiana, Maryland, this is as, as big of a trap game as you could ask for if you're Indiana. I mean, um, Maryland's got, you know, in, in, uh, in Scott and Ayala, I mean, they've got two guys that can beat you one-on-one. Um, that I don't honestly really know that Indiana has a good like matchup for either of them on the defensive end. Um, so I'd worry a lot if I were Indiana. We'll see how good of a coach Mike Woodson is at getting his team ready um, after what they go through this week because they've been on such an emotional roller coaster. Um, but they really need to go 2-0 this week to kind of keep their momentum going. Um, Illinois Northwestern, I think it's kind of the same thing you hit on early. Or I mean, Illinois is vulnerable without Kofi. Um, going in here to what could be kind of a, a lazy environment as it kind of typically is in, in Evanston. Um, but on the flip side, you know, especially if they've been bleeding, this could also be a good opportunity for a get right game. Um, 
and to kind of attack a reeling Northwestern team um, if they lose earlier in the week to Michigan. So um, Illinois better be ready for this. And then I expect Rutgers to take care of business uh, against Nebraska. Um, and then that leads us into Sunday where we have Ohio State, Purdue, which again, another candidate for game of the year, and then Minnesota, Wisconsin finish us off here, Brett. Yeah, so Ohio State, Purdue at Mackey, uh, obviously caveat, potential caveat of the health of Jaden Ivey. Um, but I mean, that this should be a good one. You've got two of the best bigs in the in the conference going at it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming it'll that's that's Travion and, and EJ Liddell, but you've got Edie who's playing really well recently. Although I, I figure he'll be more matched up with with Zed Key as he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with Liddell. Um, and I mean, it's it's going to come down to if Ohio State's guards can really exploit Purdue's defense. And then on the flip side, if if, you know, guys like Stefanovic uh, can really keep keep uh, the shooting intact for Purdue, uh, you know, they've 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 been shooting it better. They shot it really well today. Forty forty one percent for three against Northwestern um, and Stefanovic had a real another really good game against Illinois. So if he can keep keep it rolling there, then uh, I like Purdue's chances, especially at home. And then Minnesota, Wisconsin, again, uh, it, it kind of looks like it could it could be a trap game for for uh, Wisconsin with Illinois coming up net, net the uh, following Wednesday. Um, but again, I don't think Minnesota has anyone to slow down Johnny Davis. And if, if Tyler Wall is back, that should be enough of a one two punch with uh, especially with how well Brad Davis has been shooting recently. Um, but, you know, we're, it's, it's again, it's a it's a rivalry game. You sort of have to not quite throw out the record books with this rivalry, but like it's going to be crazy at, at, at the barn and uh, you know, it'll be a, a kind of touch. It'll be a, a focal point of the week for, for Ben Johnson and his crew. So I, it should be, it'll probably be closer than you expect. Um, but I think, I think Wisconsin should be able to take care of business there. All right. That's it for us here. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, it was great to kind of recap this, this wild week and, you know, we wouldn't expect anything different going forward. Um, so, um, again, thanks for tuning in. We'll be with you, um, again next week and looking forward to, um, looking forward to staying with you the rest of the year as conference play heats up.